Because for the first time in about 18 or 19 years, uh, when you come to the annual meeting tonight, you will see on the servant board, same as the deacons, that there is a female name there. Some people have asked me questions. Is that biblical? And there's a good reason. I'm glad they asked the question because that gives me the opportunity to, for the next 20 minutes, to uh, give you a biblical answer. One of the things that's true about everything is that all of us have opinions, but opinions are subjective. By the way, I'm going to be going fast, so hang on. If you want the notes, I'll send them to you. Uh, Number two, God's word is not opinion. It is indeed God's revelation. If the Bible indicates one sex, don't include the other. For example, in elders, which is always male. If the Bible does not indicate male or female, don't exclude the other. And if the Bible indicates both, include both. Okay, so we're going to see those principles. And I'm just telling you, this is not just about this sermon, but this is a biblical way. It's the right way to look at what the Bible says about things that would go in this direction. So, first of all, and uh, we are in First. Uh, Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to look specifically at verse 11 because that is the main verse. We'll look at some other things also, but that's the main verse. The context is, first in this chapter, are those that are the overseers, the elders. They are exclusively male, and there are some very, very high standards that are given for the spiritual leaders of the church. That's the elders. Uh, They are to be older and more mature men, older in spiritual terms, not necessarily age. But it also goes right from there to deacons, and that's verse 8, where it says, deacons likewise, keep that word in mind. Because the word likewise connects these things together. doesn't mean they're the same, but it connects them together. So it's saying, here are the elders, likewise the deacons. And it simply means that no matter whatever version of Scripture you have, it'll say something like likewise or even so in like manner in the same way or after the same manner. In other words, there's definitely a differentiation of some sort But, without a doubt, there is also a connection. So I want you to keep that in mind because when you get to the next one, where you look at what I'm calling deaconesses, and that is, uh, it's biblical, that's what I'm I'm just going to tell you that ahead of time. But deaconesses are included with the deacons. And here's how it goes. I explained to somebody, it's like an Oreo cookie. It starts out in verse 8 saying, deacons likewise... Then it goes down a couple of verses, and then verse 11 says something different about females, and then it starts on males again. So here's the deal. In the midst of that, it talks about women. You have to determine from the Scripture, using the Scripture, what is that talking about. There are a number of opinions, and opinions abound, but I believe you can come with a biblical solution to that whole thing of who is it talking about? What is, who are these women? And again, exactly the same word. So there's a connection, not exactly the same. Obviously it changes from male to female, but there is a connection there and then it continues on. So in the middle of deacons, it talks about women and you'd have to determine who those women are. Now, 
deaconesses, and that is verse 11, are held to the same type of high standard that deacons are held to. In the middle of there, it absolutely says women likewise need to be dignified. Are they, they only have four. I think this, this is a joke, but uh, men need a whole lot more instruction than women do. So I believe that's why God did it that. That's a joke. Bob got it. Nobody else is laughing. But anyhow, uh, but we do. We need a lot more. And men are always held to a higher standard. I don't, you go through the Bible, you go, well, isn't the Bible patriarchal? The answer is yes. And men are always held to a higher standard. But it says that those women identified, and we'll get back to who they are, they need to be dignified. That word is honorable. In other words, that person is respectable. Uh, you can revere them. Uh, King James Version uses the word grave. In other words, they're serious-minded. And because they're serious-minded, you can take them seriously. And um, you can look up to them. That's what it's saying here when it says they need to be dignified. The second part is not malicious gossips. Uh, Various versions uh, translate this various different ways. It is the same word that is used for the devil. It means a slanderer. One who brings, and I have it written there, to bring charges with hostile intent. That's what a gossip does. A gossip is not just passing something on. Gossip, biblically, is you're trying to put the other person down, malign them, run them down, defame them, denigrate them. Uh, And it's always malicious. It has a criticizing intent that goes with it. So don't have any... Uh, have anything to do with that. In fact is, if you look it up in a dictionary, the opposite of that is to praise someone. So think about it. Remember your mother said, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all? This goes one step further and says, uh, if you open your mouth, it ought to be for something that is praiseworthy. And then the third thing is temperate. Some places, it absolutely refers to somebody that's not drunk with alcohol or drugs or something like that. But overall, it has to do with somebody that's even-tempered. They're under control. Self-control, self-discipline is the norm in their life. And so they're cool, calm, and collected, even under horrible circumstances. Praise the Lord, I've been at Garden Chapel 31 years, and I can honestly say that I have never been in a meeting. And I know the stories of these meetings, and I've been in one or two, where men who are to be the leaders in the church, or women, uh, are just go out of control. That's totally uncalled for and totally unacceptable behavior. And this word absolutely covers that. The fourth thing and the last thing is faithful, and notice what it says, in all things. It's not, well, I've trusted Christ and uh, yeah, I'm doing my best to live for the Lord. But this person is trustworthy in every way. Remember I said that likewise connects them together. When you look at elders, it starts with they must be have a good reputation in the church, blameless, and it ends with they need to have a good reputation outside the church. This likewise, uh, likewise brings us all together and says, you know what? 
No matter if it's Monday morning, Sunday morning, Friday night. It doesn't matter. You are that same faithful, trustworthy person, and you, people can rely on you. You're not a yo-yo up and down all over the place. So you look at that. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to point out. Whenever the Bible is talking about... Um, um, yeah, I just lost my train of thought. I'm trying to go too fast. But as you look at these, these verses... Uh, this is the same verse in three different translations. I already read what it says uh, in the New American Standard. But King James Version, if you look at the very top, it says, Even so must their wives. Now notice how they've translated that. They have in there must, which doesn't belong there, and there, which is not there either. And it goes on to say the same thing. Uh, NIV says, the women, that the is not there. Young's literal translation translates it pretty much the same as New American Standard, simply says women. Why the different translations? Well, I'm going to deal with that, and let's look at that. The biblical points to consider. First of all, the word for wife or woman is a generic word. Just like the word for man or husband is a generic word. The only way you know how to translate it into English or any other language for that matter is by the context. What does the context demand? And in this case, uh, only the context can give the specific meaning. And that is true of all the other contexts. I'll look at a few of those. The word there, which... I did not learn this in high school. I had to go to, to college and take Greek class to learn English. Uh, there is a possessive pronoun. Now, all of you knew that but me, but it's a possessive pronoun. And that is not in any Greek text. So when it says their women or their wives, that is simply added by the translators. It is not in any text whatsoever anywhere. Uh, no Greek manuscript has that in it. If it did, it would be something that is possessed by those that had just been referred to, the deacons, the men. It would be, in that case, it would demand that it's their wives. But that is not there. It's just simply not there. Also, the, defi uh, the, the definite article uh, is not in any Greek either. So it doesn't say the women any more than it says or could say the wives or their wives or their women. None of those things are in any Greek text. doesn't matter what, what version you use. Uh, that's simply true. So the proper translation is simply this, women. That, uh, nothing else is demanded by the text. The context of this passage, and particularly this verse, verse 11, is deacons. It is leadership in the church as a whole, that's the bigger context, and deacons in this lesser context. And, as I said, it's the Oreo cookie. By the way, the, you eat an Oreo cookie because you want the inside, right? Okay, so that's... We, that's the women in this case. But the context is deacons, not any other group or any other class of people. So it's not talking about women in general or wives in general or any of those things. Context is king. It's always king. It's, it's Bible study 101. Now, the next thing is 
Could it mean their wives? The answer is, it could. And I'm not going to tell you it couldn't. Could it be a wife? The answer is, yes, it could. On the other hand, be careful. It is absolutely not demanded by the context. So, could it be translated wives? Yeah, but the context doesn't indicate that because there would be the word there. And I'm going to show you why in a moment. I'm, I'm not, not this slide, but the next slide. Because every place where wives is the obvious translation, there is the idea of possession. And I'm going to show you a number of verses. By the way, this is not wives are the possession of husbands. Because when you look through the rest of the New Testament, it goes both directions. The possessive uh, goes in both directions. For example, and I'll just give you a few verses. Uh, He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. Possessive. The second one is in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands. They're your possession. If you want to know uh, uh, partly why I come with some of the conclusions I do on, on marriage and things like that, these verses totally back that up. Because it's saying the husband is the possession of the wife, the wife is the possession of the uh, husband. And when you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it makes it very clear that you're in this together. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches. In fact, it is in this exact same verse, it says the behavior of their wives. So again, possessive, the both directions in one verse. Wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. And the last one, husbands love your wives and don't be embittered against them. The point is, when the obvious translation and the demanded translation is wives, the possessive And I'm going to say every place, there might be one where it's different, I haven't found it, but in every place that I'm aware of, it is required that it be husbands or wives, not men or women. In this case, that is simply not there. The qualifications for elders do not include any qualifying standard for wives. Here's here's the point. The point is that the spiritual leaders of the church, it says nothing about, if if indeed it's wives, it says nothing about their wives. Think about this. The pastor is an elder. It says nothing about my wife, even though that is the spiritual leadership of the church. There's a problem with that because when you get to the servant board, the deacons, and they do serve, that's the purpose, is... Now, all of a sudden, the wives matter. That seems to be totally backwards of everything that I know from the Bible. I already went over the next one because it's putting all of this together as leadership in the church. And uh, it needs to be seen that if this is literally supposed to be wives, then here's what has to happen. When you vote to confirm a deacon, a servant you also have to be confirming and take into consideration their wife because the, the context would demand that if that's the right translation. I don't believe it is. Um, wives are absolutely, if it was wives, if. They would be held as equals to their husbands. The practical implication is that they've already 
qualified as deacons and I'm sorry, deaconesses, uh, and I don't believe that that is what it's saying. Could, but it's not demanded, absolutely not. Phoebe, or however you're supposed to say that, some people say it differently than that, is a deaconess that is mentioned and the only female seen as a servant uh, is mentioned by name. There is something that's unique about her and the ministry she had. In fact is, as you go through, and I'm not going to, I don't have time to do this, but she's singled out as a servant, and it says she is a servant of the church. So there is something there that connects her directly with the church. And then, and I'm not, I don't have this verse up here, but the next verse makes it very clear that when she comes in, she deserves your help. And you are obligated to help her. In other words, she had some level of authority to some extent. We don't know exactly what, but does it prove that she was a deaconess? As in the sense that we're talking about the answer is, no, it doesn't quite prove that. But it surely indicates that. A couple of practical points to get across. Women, I already mentioned this, are never a part of the elder pastor position or role. They're simply not in any way, shape, or form. So that would be unbiblical to have a woman elder. When I came here, they had women elders. Uh, That lasted less than six months. Um, And uh, we have always had deaconesses at Garden Chapel in the past. We haven't had any for about the last... uh, 18, 19 years, and there's no reason one way or the other. I have always thought that deaconesses were uh, biblical. And I can prove that because when I came here, I'm like, hold it, this elder thing is only for men. We changed that right away. But deaconesses continued because I have never, long before I was a pastor, uh, seen that as a problem. I am not advocating, and this means I'm not saying we have to have a deaconess. Not saying that at all. This has nothing to do with individual people. But I'm not advocating that you must have a deaconess or m- multiple deaconesses uh, on the leadership. But it is definitely a possibility. The concept of this whole thing, because a lot of people say this is unbiblical, because women are not to teach or exercise authority over a man. Remember, the word deacon simply means one who serves. This is a serving responsibility, a serving role. And so by its very nature, it does not indicate in that direction. Um, I already said that. uh, This is not a new thing because there are some people that will ask questions like, well, why are we doing this? You've been here 31 years. It's not new. We had, uh, in my time that I was here, we had at least, that I can remember off the top of my head, at least three deaconesses in the past. been a while. In the church itself, and again, because Garden Chapel had them or because church history has had deaconesses, does not indicate that deaconesses are biblical or not be biblical. Because we could have been wrong. The church could be wrong. The church has been wrong about lots of things. Only the Bible is not opinion. So, But I'm going to give you this just in case somebody says, well, this is one of these newfangled things, you know, it has to do with gender equality and all that. No, it doesn't. It has to do, from my point of view, and and the only point of view I have, is it comes directly from the Bible. Sometimes deaconesses were a separate group, as in 
a deacon, like a board of deaconesses. Uh, sometimes it was husbands and wives serving together. That was true at Garden Chapel at, at times. Uh, men with their wives as helpers. Uh, and all of these could absolutely fit this. Because the way we we're, have done it and are proposing that we're going to continue doing it is not necessarily the only way you can look at this. There's a broad. If I was in a country like a Muslim country, I'd probably say, I'd, I'd preach exactly what I'm saying here, but I'd say, you know what? Back off, because all you're going to do is give the church a bad reputation and cause uh, undue stress and strain on the church. But you know what? We don't live in a Muslim country. You know, and so, but uh, serving uh, as we have done simply, we've done it in the past. The, I do believe, and here's the, the you know, the pull this whole thing together. This is practical points. The board should not be all women. There's, a, there's an issue there. Why? First of all, I don't believe the woman, a woman should be the chairman or the vice chairman simply because at that point, it would, I believe, violate uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, where a woman would then be exercising authority over a man. By the way, the whole teaching thing, the servant board is not a teaching board. I, I sit with both boards. I'm going to tell you the things they deal with are completely different. There's overlap at times, but it's a very different uh, situation. Having women on the board has been brought up over the past 18, 19 years. Um, and I'm just going to tell you, the guys said, you know, we kind of like it with all men. I'm not telling tales out of school. Uh, so it's been something that's come up on a regular basis. And they're like, you know what? We kind of like it all men. This year, somebody said, Hey, you know what? What about, and I'm not mentioning any names because uh, you'll see that when you look back there, because this sermon is not about a person. It's about a principle. Now, one last thing, and I'm going to do this real quick, is, and I didn't put a slide up there because I figured I'd run out of time, which I did, but uh, what are the general thoughts about why shouldn't we have deacons. Why is that a bad idea? First of all, some people will say, well, it's against the Bible, and just say that. Some people are simply unfamiliar, have never studied it, um, and just have an opinion, and it's like, well, it doesn't sound right to me. Well, there's a lot of things in the Bible that don't sound right to me, but I know the Bible teaches very clearly one way or the other on them. And the last thing is, uh, there are people, and this is unfortunate, we live in a time when people say there is no difference between genders and sexes. It's just simply not true. But people go, oh, well, you're confirming, conforming to what the world is doing. The answer is, no, this is not a new thing. This is a biblical thing. So, you know where I stand? Uh, so, you know, you need, I, I challenge you. you. You want the rest of the notes? That was the very, very, very short version of what I have. We have an opportunity tonight. I hope you all come tonight. I'll probably go over this in devotion just in case anybody shows up that didn't hear this this morning. But the point is, we are here to celebrate something that is much bigger than leadership in the church. We're here to celebrate the one who made the church. It is his church. Why is it his church? Because he bought it with his own blood. That's what he has done. And when we come before the Lord's table, this is the Lord's table. So whether you're a member or not, if you've trusted Christ and you're living in fellowship with, with God, then this is for you. 
It's the Lord's Supper, not garden chapels. If you're living in sin, nobody is going to look over your shoulder and tell you you can or can't. But you need to search your own mind, your own conscience, and know, am I right with the Lord? Have I trusted Christ? If I haven't, don't participate. Because the Bible is very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you do, you're eating and drinking judgment under yourself. I don't have a thing to do with that. That is God's uh, prerogative. But it is the God-given object lesson, symbol, to remind us once again. And it tells us to examine our lives. A time when you stop. Like Peter was saying, there's time to stop. And just see what God is wanting to do in your life. And when we come before the Lord's table, uh, that is one of those times. So as the men come forward, I'm going to ask Brother Jeff if he would thank the Lord for his body that he gave on our behalf. And as he is praying, I'm not telling you not to listen to him. But if you know there's something you need to take care of in your life, please, by all means, take this time to examine your life and deal with it. Jeff? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he did in obedience to secure for us eternal life with him. We thank you for his broken body and the, the punishment and the degradation that he suffered on our behalf. We pray that we might ever remember what he had accomplished for us. Not only today, but every day. Yes. Words in
the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. I'm going to ask Brother Dave Lamb if he would thank the Lord for his shed blood. Father, this morning we just thank you that in your eternal thinking about your creation, you provided a way for us to be redeemed from our sinful ways. Yes. That way was the crimson thread that you wove through Scripture, and you authored the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to be that sacrifice poured out for us. And Lord, we thank you that the foot of the cross is level, that we can all come, and we also thank you, Lord, that your blood yes. never run dry, and it always forgives sin, and Lord, it not only takes our sin away, but as Brother Jeff reminded us, Lord, it has granted us the precious gift of eternal life, and we thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen.